one of the things that I like about low resolution works is that I think it's very restrictive. And I see that as a challenge. And that's one of the reasons why I, I think I've kept my style um, consistent because I like the challenge of keep working at really low resolution works. And basically everything that I have created and minted. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Floor is Rising, with host Sabretooth, a professional NFT collector, and Kizu, a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting and analyzing NFTs. So, if you are a creator or a collector of NFTs, jump in. The water is warm. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. I'm Sabertooth. With me is Kizu and special guest today, NFT artist on both Tezos, uh, an Ethereum member of various DAOs, Musero DAO, a Refractive. He's an artist on formerly Hikak Nunk, FX Hash, also Foundation, OpenSea from Brazil, Pixelful. Pixelful, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Tell us, um, how did you get into NFTs? I've been an artist for like, I think I feel a, a, a bit more than 16 or 17 years. And I've been doing um, also graphic design and branding and all sorts of design things in the past. And um, I think five or six years ago, I... I started to work for some companies in the U.S. And as you have mentioned, I'm from Brazil. And I discovered that the best way to transfer money from my uh, pains was through Bitcoin. Um, because banks would take me like 15 days to make a transaction and they would charge me a lot of fees. And because of that, I started to use Bitcoin to uh, transfer the money because it was super fast. It was like, um, I had like minor fees. And well, since then, I've been pretty close to the crypto market, kind of watching a few projects. Uh, but curiously, I was not uh, really aware of NFTs until the end of uh, 2020, I think. Like um, most of the people, um, I started to pay more attention after the big news, like the people sales and things like that. So um, from there, I then started to uh, take a look around. And I think I minted my first work uh, on December of 2020 on the Rarible. But by then, I was not really aware how the market uh, worked all the how you had to communicate to collectors and i had this idea that just uh minting my work would be enough uh, to have some sales which didn't happen then i i kind of um stayed a few months away of it and when ticket was launched in march i then decided to mint again is it correct to say that your style and approach as an artist is not really uh, concerned with trends that we've seen in, in NFT art in the last two, three years? Three years ago, I started to work with this curator trying to set a path to where I could put my work for sale on um, galleries or institutions. And it was really difficult to think 
of ways to do that. And actually, this curator, I worked with uh, her for two years. And in my first meeting with her, I mentioned to her that I was going to pursue a painting car- career instead of um generative art career. I was kind of... Uh, I've been playing with generative art for, for 10 years or so, not as actively as today, as these days, but I started to play with, with that um, 10 years ago. And But at some point, I really decided that I wanted to be a painter. I was studying classical painting for two years. I was like, uh, looking for a master's. I was I really had this idea that painting would be a better path. Because, well, when you look at galleries, you can see mostly paintings on the walls. But then she said to me something like, oh, I really don't think you should go that path. I think you should uh, really focus your attention on generative art because this is avant-garde. So I kind of trust trusted her uh, on that and started to go back to generative art um, little by little. So answering your second question, yes, um, I've been playing with, I, I don't oftenly use, although my, my alias is Pixelful, <laughs> I don't oftenly refer as pixel art per se, um, but I, I've been always playing with low resolution works. And the reason for that is because I've always loved the idea of playing with obsolete technologies. So low resolution displays or uh, thinking about mechanical displays. And because of that, I used to work a bit with, um, with low resolution pieces, but it was not my main uh, focus. Uh, I think only when I, I decided to, I had like some works that were uh, related to that, but I also had a lot of other works. And I shared that with a friend of mine, Nicholas Sassoon, which is um, an amazing artist. And because at the time, Hiketnunk uh, would not allow you to create different collections, I thought that maybe I should have a second project, something else where I could only share these kinds of work. So that was what happened and led to Pixelfu um, being born as a, basically what is today my main practice. But uh, I think that's the, the history before that. Do you think that the market has come to a greater appreciation of the so-called more difficult digital native works such as generative art? Honestly, even looking at the crypto funds, right? If you if you take the fact that it, the NFTs from this project have, have become like really speculative and on that side of the market, Matt and John, the guys behind the project, were just uh, creative technologists trying a new medium through generative art. So I feel like it's really impossible to, to, not, to not see this immense grow in, uh, growth in interest uh, for generative art. Even if you look at the Processing Foundation, to those that 
are not familiar with, processing is this framework that Casey Rees and Ben Fry developed. They, they used to be um, students at the M MIT and processing is this environment where you can use code to generate forms or um, visual outputs. So the Processing Foundation probably received more uh, donations past year than it has received in its whole history. So I think the the everything has changed. Uh, even if you look like at Christie's, uh, which is this big uh, auction house, I think we had like a few um, weeks ago, this auction by, I, I think it was by Sotheby's and Vera Moner was one of the artists. She's an artist of almost 100 years old and she had just uh, her biggest sale um, in history. So I think it's really hard not to see that, uh, that appreciation growing uh, after all this boom. Can you talk a bit about, I guess, the tools that you use to create your artwork? So one of the things that I like about low resolution works is that I think it's very restrictive and I see that as a challenge. And that, that's one of the reasons why I, I think I've kept my style um, consistent because I like the challenge of keep working at really low resolution works and basically everything that I have created and minted since um, the beginning of past year uh, was done with code and processing this environment that I, I just mentioned. My process is a bit a mix of conceptual thinking and um, working at the code. But once I have something in my mind fixed and I want to approach somehow through forms, what I do is just um, sit and code and processing. That's mainly like 99% of the, the process. Then I, I would just basically, after um, creating the code and exporting a sequence of images, I'll transform them in a GIF in Photoshop where I have a bit more of control over the palette and some other aspects. But that's mainly my tool set. And except for a few projects that run real time on the browser, like the FX hash project, where I use P5.js, which is basically the JavaScript version of processing. And then it's just uh, code, nothing else, um, basically software. But I think what it's also interesting to, to mention is that I consider, so when I, I'm coding something and processing, I'm using a, um, a framework, but then I'm actually also creating my own tools. What I, I'm creating is software. And that is that also becomes the tool to make something. So it's like, I'm using a tool to create a tool to have some work doing something and interacting with the screen or creating images that I can transform into another um, format. I know you've you've just released a collection, um, I think about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, zero colon reverse, which is an addition of 100. Do you think that the kind of more, it's the purely abstract and, and kind of very depersonalized maybe aesthetic that is somehow more 
welcome at the moment? Well, what are your thoughts uh, regarding that kind of you know concrete versus abstract opposition in the uh, generative art space? I, I've been uh, researching for quite some time now about um, time perception and consciousness and phenomenology, and it's something that I'm deeply deeply interested about. Um, and before my work's aspect, so full, my work is to be super dark and have low saturation almost all of the time at black and white palettes. And when I started Pixel Full, I decided that I wanted to create something that is more sparkly in some, some way. I finally, I think one thing that I've learned um, quite Quite recently, I, th I think like a few years ago, uh, when I really started to interact more with the market was that you can expect people to relate to your work as you do, right? Because usually if you do that, you, you will be very, very frustrated. And when I think about uh, the things that I think before doing any, any sort of artwork, I try to keep that in the process. And I think the, the relation between those themes and the visuals of what I, I usually deliver is more conceptual than direct. So one of the reasons why this work is related to, uh, to the, the mythological rivers, as you've mentioned, of the uh, Greek underworld is because it's highly related to life and death. And that's a topic that you can keep a part of time perception and consciousness is, is like directly related. But when the beginning of my research came really by trying to understand our relation to nature and why we have the, this deep connection with certain phenomenons without having to attribute any sort of meaning to it, so I'm constantly referring to this scene where, where you are in front of a waterfall, a gigantic waterfall, when you see yourself uh, stuck in time looking to this phenomenon. It's, it's really easy to see yourself immersed in the moment. And I, I, I'm really interested, interested in trying to understand how I can bring that to my art. So the reason why my works are usually very abstract is because I try not to represent anything. What I try to do is somehow evoke feelings or try to examine the feelings that the work uh, brings. And I think that when you look to the philosophical aspects of our relation with uh, time and our experiences as humans and the way we perceive the world through our um, senses, I think I, I'm way more interested about what we feel than what we think. So the inspiration to the work comes in the process and trying to put some narrative to myself, I think, more than to people. I kind of feel that we still don't have proper ways to um, relate to the works being minted on the blockchain. I think most of them, I mean, after all, most of the works are minted on marketplaces and those platforms are done for sale and not for art appreciation. So 
I think it would be really hard to expect from the market to be so deeply uh, interested in my work because it's really hard to, to have this relation while you are like scrolling through Twitter and seeing hundreds of things at the same time. And then you click and open a marketplace and there are a lot of noise. So I, I feel like some people may be uh, interested in the background and the stories and may relate in a different way. But I think the, the biggest part of the market don't work like that. It's more, everything is more visual. And I think that's why also when you, uh, that we still don't have a lot of non-visual art in the platform. So if you take like, Poetry, which has been trying to to have a, a place uh, in the market and trying to um, to go in the market, uh, or a sound-based art or music, I think everything is still very visual. I was thinking about the experience of uh, looking at NFTs, as you say, as you scroll through Twitter. There's a sense in which you're caught up in the flow. And, and you mentioned also that some works are very difficult to appreciate in this format because of the noise, the visual noise. And of course, there are the non-visual artworks that are maybe underrepresented so far. To what extent do you produce works that you think will be able to stand up to this noise that will be able to catch the viewer's attention? I think more than thinking about uh, social media and things like that, one of the things that really makes me think a lot is about our relation with digital artworks and how we have this mediator, which is the screen, right? So we have all kinds of screens and... We have multi-purpose screens and they are not made for art and they have a lot of interference in the work. And the screen is basically this device that represents a lot of things. So we have windows in our operational system. We have a trash where we put uh, files that we don't want anymore. We have the browser, we have photograph. And one of the reasons why I, I, I keep working with chunky pixels is because I feel that when you do that, and especially when the works are being displayed in full screen, and especially when they are being displayed in bigger screens, I feel that the light produced by the LEDs becomes, it's odd to say that, but the, 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 their, the materiality of the, the pixels is enhanced. And if I'm lucky in my experiment, I can make the screen or the artwork or the LEDs or the light to become an actual experience instead of just representing something. Um, it's kind of hard to, to see that, as I said, in a stream of endless content. But I think since my intention is to try to work with that and try to enhance this, uh, the, the, the way that the art is uh, experienced 
through the screen. Naturally, it will also somehow stand out in other contests, contexts, not only when uh, at full screen, not only on bigger uh, screens, but also uh, comparing to other works. And also, I'm constantly working with highly saturated uh, colors. That's also because I feel that that enhances this perception of the work being digital native. We see this trend of, in general, art of a lot of works um, that use, that replicate other mediums like paper and the canvas and the noise and uh, analog noise. And I think it's super beautiful, but sometimes you can't even realize if the work is natively digital. And that's not a problem. I'm not judging it. I just think that when I try to to work on my pieces, I try to go at the opposite um, direction and trying to make some sort of statement that the work is really digital and this attempt to create a real experience instead of just representing something. How do you view your career and I guess the direction that you want to take your career? You always have to go at least to some, if you're trying to sell work, which is my case, you are always have to some, somehow work as the market wants you to work to some extent. So if you have like a moment where, where uh, the market is working really well and it's easy to sell, it's easier. But then if you see the market going to another direction where things get more difficult, you have to rethink and think of ways to make that happen. And right now, NFTs are my main source of income. So I always, it's really difficult not to think about the market. But other than that, uh, one thing that I've been trying to do since past year is to take more time to work. So that's the first thing. Uh, while last year I was releasing a lot of works really oftenly, uh, unique works. This year, uh, at the end of last year, I decided that this year I would like to work at bigger projects, but that would give me more time to see and think and reflect more about the work. So that's the first thing. First thing. The other thing is that I had the sense that because of the pandemic that we would start to see more uh, presidential events happening this year. And that has been happening as well. So I have a lot of exhibitions happening. I have like, I think four exhibitions happening the next two months right now. I feel like I really want to somehow enable my work to be seen in a deeper way. I think that's my main goal right now. I really want to think more about maybe um, places where people could have the best possible experience with the art. So exhibitions or things like that. But also, I think in general, it, it would be really healthy for the whole market to have more spaces where people can appreciate the art and talk about more the conceptual side or whatever kind of narrative that artists are, are trying to, to bring. So of course the sales are part of the job because well, we have to pay our bills. And uh, if I also want to make more physical things, I have to spend money and things like that. But in general, I feel like 
as people become more aware of my work, I mean, this pixel fool has, has is something that was born uh, almost like uh, a year ago. So I feel that people are still getting familiar with my work. But the more that happens, I feel that the more I want people to be connected to whatever I'm doing. Who is your favorite artist? One person that I'm constantly mentioning is my very good friend, Nicolas Sassoon, because not only he has been an inspiration before, way, way before NFTs, I, I've always been uh, really passionate passionate about his work and trying to follow his career. And luckily we became friends last year. But I also think that he has been, as an artist, an amazing influence in my life, like being able to um, be more generous and how to appreciate the work of other artists and how to collect the work of other artists. I think he has been this person that, that I can really learn a lot and not only as an artist, but also as a person, I feel as a way to interact with the market in a healthy way and trying to build things that are um, more fair. And there are, I think that that in general will do good to the market, but also uh, to myself. So I always like to mention him because I think he has been um, really generous to me since the beginning and is this constant inspiration. It's been awesome having you on this show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow. And give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us or send us a question. Just send us a DM at Floor is Rising.